Welcome to the Body Track Academy podcast created by EPs for EPs. The podcast will take you on an in-depth understanding of everything an EP is faced with on a day-to-day basis, including clinical, personal and business practices to ensure you become the best practitioner possible. If you enjoy the podcast, make sure you like, share, follow us on whatever streaming service you use to ensure the message spreads and you are notified of any new podcasts or educational resources available to you. Furthermore, if you're not already part of our online academy, head over to Facebook and join the Body Track Academy. Happy listening. Hello and welcome to another Body Track Academy podcast. Today I will be joined by my colleague Ashley as we discuss one of our mutual clients, someone who we see quite regularly throughout the week and we've seen a huge amount of evolution over the last couple of months that we've been seeing her. Ash is going to start us off uh, explaining a little bit about her history and we're going to discuss how we manage someone across a five-day working week, how we manage other biopsychosocial factors and how that influences our prescription and treatment plan going forward. So Ash, tell us a little bit about our client here. So we thought this was a good client to case study, I guess, because there will be a lot of other females out there who may um, maybe relate to some of the things that this client's experiencing or um, had similar situations where they've got to this crossroads or have barriers that are restricting them from being able to move forward. So as Nicole said, we share the care of this client and um, across the week, it can look quite different across the last couple of months. It's looked quite different. So she's quite an interesting case to discuss. She is a 51-year-old female and she's had a history. Um, there's a few different things in there. The main thing that brought her to us originally was she was diagnosed with um, a patent foramen overlay, which is normally genetic and happens during birth and a part of your heart is meant to close over but it didn't. And so she wanted to then, um, after experiencing that and that being diagnosed later in life in her um, late 40s, she wanted to know how to exercise safely as she was experiencing some some different symptoms, shortness of breath, um, fatigue, and how she can be safe with that. So that was her original reason for bringing, like, coming to us. But delving deeper into her medical history, we found she had some other things that we had to be considerate of. Um, she had lower back pain. She had had a... Um, a hernia mesh surgery in her abdomen. Um, she had had, a, had two pregnancies and a hysterectomy. Um, and she, over the course of working with her, also developed a bit of left knee pain. So quite a few different things going on there. And I guess um, just while we're touching on the medical history, because of her age, there's lots of different changes happening with her hormones and her physiology anyway. So it's hard to know sometimes if some of the symptoms she's feeling are exacerbated by, I guess, what, women sometimes feel as like the big scary n-word menopause or if they're in that kind of perimenopausal phase Um, and so that's something that we're going to continue to discuss as we work through this podcast um, to highlight how different symptoms can kind of start to create puzzle pieces as we piece them together. So that was how she came to us originally Um, and she was very motivated but she knew that she um, couldn't do exercise on her own. She's a very busy um, kind of corporate type role um, personality and so fitting exercise into her week just wasn't going to happen unless she had someone to motivate and support her so she started off with us for a couple times a week. Um, From there it's actually increased to five days a week and Nicole can discuss how that has evolved over the last few months um, and into her producing the results she's been wanting to get but ultimately 
with all of that medical history in the background, the main goals for her was to exercise safely, how to do that and what to do. And then also um, trying to improve her body compositions with her weight. So that way she was aging and her health was going to be um, in a better position as she got older, um, as opposed to increasing the risk of other comorbidities. Absolutely. And as you mentioned there as well, Ash, um, she is a, a busy um, single mum of two kids as well. Um, one with a, a few more high needs than the other as well. So uh, typical mum putting the kids first, which doesn't leave a lot of time to prioritise one's health, but is really important for her to be the best mum she can be um, and continue to provide for her children um, in the way she wants to as well. So as Ash alluded to there, she started off twice a week uh, seeing Ashley. And then essentially as she wanted to increase that, I suppose, adherence and, and motivation, she requested to increase to five times a week. Um, and due to scheduling, it wasn't possible to see Ash five times a week, but it's actually quite beneficial, we believe, in seeing different practitioners across the week. And I think it's really brought a whole lot of different perspectives on the care of this client, um, building off each other's ideas and having different approaches as well. Not necessarily good cop, bad cop, but having some different approaches and delivery of exercise, which I think is really beneficial for how she's progressed over time. I think, yeah, in that sense too, what can happen is not, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but when you are only working with one practitioner, they can get very stuck in their ways and sometimes narrow in their approach mm. too. And it's good to have um, other opinions or other prescription types that continue to challenge your prescription too as a practitioner. So it's not only beneficial for you, but it's beneficial for the client as well. Should we talk about kind of where we started with her exercise? Yeah, absolutely. You'll kick it off. So I guess the main thing was she was really energetic and wanted to start as soon as she could, do as much as she could. And so it started with education around, okay, what can you actually do? What intensities can you work at? So from the assessment that we did, we started her with just some basic resistance training, getting her into different movements, um, targeting major muscle groups. And we quickly found she's very much of that rush mentality. She likes to just get things done. She doesn't like to rest. Um, she doesn't breathe. She holds her breath. Mm -hmm. um, and it can be really challenging with clients that, don't understand the importance of actually taking your time moving an, a muscle through its full contraction and relaxation and things like that. So a lot of education started with this client very early on. Um, I might hand over to Nicole because she found something quite early on and it was important that we highlighted this with the client and then referred on for further assessment, um, which is something we're really passionate about and can like can, keeping the holistic approach with client care um, with whoever we see. Excellent. So um, as this client had been doing their, their exercise and had to do a little bit of changing in that mentality of how we execute exercises in the session, um, she presented one day and reported um, a worry about perhaps the her hernia returning or a bulge in, down in the similar area where she'd had her hernia before. So um, we were already implementing like public floor precautions based on her history with the hysterectomy um, and, and that hernia history as well. However, this was a, um, a movement she said at home, I think it was in the shower, lifting something up. So bending forward, she felt the pressure, kind of like in that crunching exercise. And then as she lifted up, she felt like that had sort of stretched or loaded up through. And then she felt a bulge as well. So um, it's definitely not within our scope to diagnose these things. But based on her history, we treated it with a lot more caution. Um, and we referred on straight away to our pelvic floor physio uh, just up the road. I uh, gave her the full history and hand over there and she was uh, very quick to go and see her and very receptive of that as well, particularly because we explained 
well, over time, what could happen if one, it is a hernia or anything else around the abdomen, what that could mean for her continued training and her continued progress. So that was a good way to get some buy-in. But she, we've developed a really good rapport with her now. And she really does trust, um, trust us that therapeutic alliance goes a long way. And she, you know, recognized that we have an expertise. And so she went on to see this public floor physio. Thankfully, um, it was ruled out that it wasn't a hernia, um, but there are definitely other areas within pelvic floor that we need to continue to work on. So she's going to continue some of her work with uh, this pelvic floor physio who we've collaborated with. Um, she's happy with the work that we're doing and all the pelvic floor safe exercises and building on the strength that this client has because she is a strong woman, which is great. Um, so we're working around basically her limitations through there and we'll continue to collaborate with this pelvic floor physio over time. And I think what was really positive for um, the client was we were telling the client the same things as the pelvic floor physio was telling her. So she felt really reassured that we were all across her care. Um, and obviously that made it really easy to implement as we were starting to progress her program. And it's particularly with resistance exercise, we want to make sure that we've got her in the safest positions and we're monitoring all those different symptoms. Um, so that was kind of a really important find to then help her progress into heavier resistance training while safe and ensuring we're considering her pelvic floor mm -hmm. as well. I think the other thing that comes with improving our body composition is that kind of we need to do cardio around um, losing weight. And so what we've actually found with the research is that just doing cardio, you don't just lose weight. Um, obviously, there's lots of other factors, sleep, stress, diet. Um, hormones. Hormones. Um, but it was really important that we educated this client that resistance training wasn't going to also make her bulky. It was contributing to her um, energy expenditure on top of doing her aerobic exercise or cardio to help with her improving her body compositions. Because again, as we know, as women move through this kind of, whether they're in menopause or perimenopause or moving towards that kind of age bracket where that can, all those things can change. Um, estrogen drops, lean muscle mass drops, um, and our body fat can increase or just plateau. So losing weight can be a very difficult um, thing to do. And I think there's so much stigma around just seeing the doctor and they saying, hey, you just need to lose some weight or, you know, being told just to lose weight, like it's something that's easy to do, particularly for females that have all these changing physiologies mm -hmm. and then all the other stresses and bio biopsychosocial factors that can contribute to their lifestyle. So I think from her prescription, the main points were that we had to kind of really educate her on why she was doing the exercises she was doing and then help to start to facilitate that behavior change um, through continued education and progressively imp increasing the load when she could tolerate it. Yeah. And I suppose leaving off that as well, part of that further education was around those changes that happen through menopause and perimenopause. Because for women, as our estrogen drops and the, the area in which that we produce large amount of our estrogen, so from our um, you know hormone producing glands and areas in the body, as that starts to drop off, the body goes into a bit of a panic because we really need estrogen for a lot of bodily functions. Um, and unfortunately, one of the other areas that produces estrogen in the body is um, adipose tissue or a part of the fat cell. So the body is really reluctant to lose adipose tissue as we go through menopause because that then becomes one of our primary sources of estrogen. Mm. So even just providing that kind of education and that understanding to, for women, especially across the board, but to go easy on the body, um, not to punish the body and, and to limit. Uh, this client is very good already with her nutrition and her diet. She eats very well. For someone who's incredibly busy, she's got 
taken all the right, I suppose, courses of action to manage good nutrition in- intake for both herself and her children as well. And that's one thing she really prides herself on. And I think she's um, understandably so probably taken offense in the past from, from perhaps GPs or allied health who have assumed because she is slightly above the normal weight average that she isn't eating well. So I think it was really Which important. Common, common yeah, assumption. absolutely. To continue to strengthen our therapeutic alliance with her is to show that we are hearing her and we understand that that's not it's not the root of the cause for her um, and that we, we're doing all we can through exercise, um, but there's an element to which the body is going to do what it has to do as well in terms of physiology. Um, and we have to be accepting of that and continue to change and focus on the things that we can change, which for us in our sessions is that consistency, um, progressive overload over time and focusing on that strength uh, throughout the weeks as well. And that's not to say, I think that's a good point, Nicole, staying within your lane, controlling what you can control, but that's not to say as an exercise physiologist, if you're picking up on changes to symptom presentation or a client starting to mention they're experiencing different things, that you can also say to them, hey, have you had a blood test recently? And a lot of the time people only get a blood test when they need one, um, when they've been sick or if they've um, been to the doctor um, for a different reason. So sometimes people can go easily a year without having a blood test and a lot can change, particularly for females between 40 to 60 years old. Um, so sometimes even just saying to them, hey, have you had a recent blood test and getting a full blood done to see if there's any changes? I work a lot in the metabolic space and things like insulin, things like cortisol can have a really big impact on our body. Um, inflammation can then limit what sort of breakdown you can have with your fat. So it can be one of those factors that you don't even know about is actually reduce, uh, restricting you lose, losing weight. It's not actually because of the exercise you're doing or the things you're eating. So it's also just kind of troubleshooting or problem solving, referring back to the doctor because obviously we can't order blood tests and that's not what we're trying to do, but trying to gain as much information about the client to then help them find that way forward and get the best um, outcomes for them as well. Cool. I reckon the next little part we can chat about, about this particular client is uh, one of those biopsychosocial factors, which really is that stress and I suppose uh, workload um, for this client outside of the clinic. So we have the privilege of seeing her up to five times a week. So five 30 minute sessions. That doesn't often happen. Um, This client is in in this position where she has the, she has the privilege, I suppose, to book in those sessions and she's willing to pay for a session if she doesn't turn up um, because she knows it helps with her adherence and her, accountability to have those booked in um, and sometimes her work just doesn't allow for it so she's she's willing to do that and we're understanding that not everyone can do that um, but Ash tell us a little bit more about how her work and life stress may be contributing to some of our progress over time. Yeah so I guess the first thing that comes up particularly for women who are still working is work mm-hmm. that's the biggest one what sort of workload you have um, doing your job day to day does your job involve travel are you then having to count like consider if you've got children to work around too what hours you're working so as we know stresses like work um can increase our cortisol so that's going to then limit some of your other physiological systems being able to do the things they need to do in terms of stress um it's kind of that generic term but there's lots of different things that can contribute to it and i think in terms of managing it can be really difficult no one can just relax or Mm -hmm. rest Mm -hmm. um it's about finding the best way to kind of manage your day or manage your week mm-hmm. and asking others for help if it if you have the support is the best way to start otherwise trying to just make sure like Nicole said 
if it's really important to you and your health you want to prioritize, you have to put yourself first sometimes. And booking in those sessions, even though it might cost a little bit more in the beginning, it's an investment in your health. And then if that gets you adherent, that gets you consistent, you become regular, you'll start to see over those sort of four to six, eight weeks, things start to change. And the hardest thing is people start out really good. They do two weeks. They think, oh, I'm going really well. Why has nothing changed? And you've got to remember, like, your physiology has been building up like this over months, years, long time. Um, It's not going to just change overnight. So it's really important that we educate around managing your stress, but also giving you expectations that it is going to take time. And then you're not just going to see it change. Mm. And sort of that first four weeks, it's going to take more than that. Um. In terms of managing um, and your workload and things within the program, um, like we said at the beginning, she was very much like a, she likes to rush, she doesn't breathe, she holds her breath. So we've actually, with the support of the pelvic health physio, we've actually kind of retrained this client how to breathe and actually slowed down the tempo of her exercises using different kind of eccentric um, type loads. So that way she is forced to kind of hold or move slowly through a different part of the movement mm-hmm. excellent and i think as well coming back to that stress outside of so again it's controlling those controllables uh, there's clients going through other stressors in life um uh you know with a divorce and, and things and, and difficulties and relationships as well and there's only so much we can control in those sort of situations in life and we totally accept that life happens and we've got to work around that but again her controlling the controllable is booking in her five days a week because she knows that she'll at least make three of those um and on an amazing week she'll make five um and the progress in the last three to six months particularly with her left knee pain that's a huge one that we've been able to easily measure and see uh, to the point where she didn't want to do anything that was semi-squat related like even a wall sit on the wall she was so reluctant to do that about six months ago um whereas i had her in last week and we were leg a single leg leg pressing 20 kilos and she's saying to me that's a walk in the park now so total mind shift change and that's come with time as well um we we know and we acknowledge that there's the things outside of our sessions that we can't control but she knows that we focus on what we can do in our sessions, which I think is really starting to pay off for her yeah. in both that physical and mental mindset. Well, that, and I think also just bringing awareness how much those sorts of things can also contribute. Yes. So obviously there's a lot of physical pain that people can feel when you have musculoskeletal injuries, but a lot of those other like social factors, they can play into emotional stress. They can play into kind of cognitive stress or mental stress. And so it's also important within our role, we're not counsellors, we're not psychologists, but we're also there just as a bit of an ear so they can, they can always deload if they want to. They don't, we don't, you don't have to as a client, but we can also just help them become more aware and understand how much that can actually play into the body's responses. Um, what manifests physically is generally from something sort of emotional or mental mm. sometimes, not all the time. Um, and then also refer them on to the right professional if it's required or if they want some more resources what sort of other um, self-help things are out there that they can do to to help themselves too because as Nicole said there's only so much we can control but if we can give them more pieces of that puzzle to help improve their holistic health then it means that they can be all over it and kind of be the best version of themselves and move forward towards that. I think another interesting uh, aspect of this client as well is she actually does a two-on-one so yeah. again, a unique situation, um, and something that well, it didn't start like that actually. Okay, she, she brought the 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 partner in, um, yep. which is a friend that and a long term um business colleague she's worked with. Um, she actually brought him in, um, a little bit after we started. She's just started with me 
for the first sort of couple months on her own. And then she was having such a, she was really enjoying the session so much. She thought I could really support someone else and help them improve their health because they had spoken to her about wanting to make a change. So she had not only inspired someone else, but she brought them in to support them. Um, And so we would work on his sessions and he would do the exercise that was appropriate for him as well as um, that our client doing the exercise that was appropriate for her. Which has got great benefits going forward. Um, I mean, there's a lot of hilarity and banter in the classes, and sometimes we've got to separate them to get them going, make sure they're actually productive. Um, but I think in this instance, these two get along so well, and there's so much respect for each other that they really do keep each other accountable to a certain extent as well. And it's something to look forward to. She now look forward to our session uh, because we're there as well, but also because a, a good friend's there and it's an opportunity to catch up with him at the same time. Absolutely. And I think it also makes costs more affordable and things like that so if you can find yourself someone to exercise with or just have that support person to keep you accountable that's also a very important part of um, you being able to achieve your goals and make those behavior changes because if you're only relying on yourself it can be really hard and it can be really um, it's just it's just not always going to be successful Mm. so I think where you have support around you try and um, bring those people close they don't have to come in and exercise, but they could drop you off at the session or they could just continue to check in to make sure you're still going. And I think it's another benefit of the other options we provide, you know, whether it might be a two-on-one, a three-on-one, it might be our groups, um, all those other options that we provide at the clinic and um, that are available, other alternatives to exercise, uh, other ways to tap into those areas that might be beneficial for someone. Someone who isn't, you know, overly keen on exercising with other people or in front of other people or interviewed, that might not be option an option for them. Mm-hmm. But for those who enjoy that social aspect, um, you know, doing it with a friend or joining a group can be something that can be really helpful to make an exercise session more enjoyable or something to look forward to. Yeah, absolutely. So I think in terms of this client, she's doing really well and we just wanted to kind of case study her, like I said at the beginning, to show um, not only other people, but particularly other women who might be going through a similar phase in life where they're experiencing different symptoms or have had similar medical histories and they're not sure where to start, that exercise physiology is really the best place to get the best advice, the right advice, um, and that allied health professional that can support and foster your health outcomes long term. Um, there's a lot of different ways we do that. Sometimes you see us regularly. Sometimes it's only as a consult basis. We have plenty of different options to help support people. We can do it from afar with the um, help of telehealth, which has been an amazing service now that we don't have to see people in person necessarily. Um, But yeah, if it's one of those things you want to start exercising or you've had some concerns where you think, oh, I've got this symptom, but I'm not sure if this is safe for me to do. Coming and seeing an exercise physiologist for an assessment and then guidance is the best place to start. Um, And like Nicole said, there's plenty of options moving forward if you want to continue in a group setting, individual setting, um, or from your own home. I think building on that to finish up is this case study is a really nice example that highlights the importance of that biopsychosocial model that whilst exercise is in our title and our name and largely what we do day to day in the clinic there is so much more than just the exercise we prescribe and ultimately the best outcomes come from a holistic view we're considering all those aspects of a person's life that are going to influence their outcomes and their progressions so it's really important to uh, treat the individual in front of you and constantly listen and be open to to pick up those changes and things they're willing to share with you over time to help build that picture and create the best outcome for them going forward absolutely Alrighty. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Um, if anyone has any questions or they have had similar experiences and want some extra help, we're always here to try and um, assist in any way possible. 
Um, so leave us a comment, follow us. Absolutely. Um, and yeah. We'll talk soon. Talk soon. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. So remember to share, like, or follow to keep updated with all our podcasts and educational resources.